This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're gonna go out of here at the Big Eight champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and lover of bread, Jake Bockelman. What? I like bread. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Welcome to On the Block with Stricken Bach here on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everybody out there. And we'd like to welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet Eric Strickland, who was uh, fresh off a nice trip to Dallas. I saw a very cool picture uh, of you with your name on the court there in Dallas. I, I did want to ask you about that. Uh, what was that all about? Because I did notice, too, your name was bigger than some of the other guys. What did you do to get – what did Marquise Daniels do to get a smaller name than you? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that was probably Mark Cuban's uh, doing. I, you know, one of the things I think I appreciate about the organization is that even though um, I wasn't a part of the transition as far as when they won their their first 50, it wasn't their first, but it was their first 50 win season in a, in a while. It had been a while. I mean, that time, I mean, you're looking at almost like 15 plus years um since they had went to the conference finals um with that that wonderful team of um Mark Aguirre and <clears throat> Rolando Blackman and and uh, Derek Harper some of those guys that you probably saw in those pictures they were um they were there as well so i think they appreciated the the fact that i was still a part of the transition i mean we we were literally on the verge of it um i knew that they were going to be good you know, even though I wasn't there, I, I had I been there, I knew we were going to be good. And um, so I think that probably had something to do with it because I was I definitely was a part of that. It wasn't that I got a chance to see it through, which I think probably hurt me more than anything. You know, after you you put in your time and you 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 watched the worst of it uh, at times to be able to not. Uh, see it through sometimes is is, is an unfulfilling thing, but uh, I appreciate it. It was it was a wonderful gesture, and uh, it was a lot of guys that I got to see on there that that's graced it, and, and to have that size was pretty cool. And of course, you did play with uh, several teams over the years. Would you say Dallas? I, I guess if you'd had to retire your jersey and an in an NBA jersey, uh, would it be Dallas that you would you would probably think most fondly of? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that was that was the most. Uh, that was a high point probably of my career. Um, had some good runs in, in, in other places, but that definitely was the high point. I, I got to experience every facet of of the game from Dallas as a, a six man, as a starter. Um, got to play with some legendary players and Steve Nash and Dirk and uh, uh, Mike Finley and the likes of those guys. And to get to watch their careers, and and obviously to get to watch Dirk uh, win a championship with the crew that he was with, and and so Devin was there, so that group, and and so it was good to see them. And then you know one of my good friends, Kurt Thomas, 
uh, was there as well. And I got to play with Kurt in a, in a number of locations, both in Dallas and in New York. So uh, we've stayed, you know, pretty, pretty good in touch. I don't, I don't think I'm in touch with more of the new, the new kid, the new, the new crews, as opposed to some of the older guys, um, the newer, the newer guys, the older guys. Um, I think I kind of, we kind of fell away because I was refereeing for a period and I was going through G league training and stuff like that. And you, so you, you, you weren't able to really connect, kind of find a different connection within the referee sphere. Mm. And they, they don't want you really over fraternizing with, you know, players and stuff like that. So um, I didn't, didn't maintain some of those younger connections for that reason. Yeah. And that's fair yeah. enough. I, I can understand why, why that would happen. Um, but it is, it's very cool to be able to, to, you know, go somewhere and, and be honored. And, and so I thought that was really cool to see your name on the court there. Um, also just yeah. as, as of noting, you were in Dallas. Uh, what was kind of the, the feeling coming out? Were you there Sunday for the 49ers game as well? The kind of the feeling of the city? Uh, <laughs> Cause that was a wild yeah. one. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're at this place um, called Four Thirteen Lounge, and it was a, a good group, and and it's a bunch of cowboy fans. So you you have a you have a hodgepodge of a little bit of everything. Uh, cowboys was like very deep. There were a few um, 49ers fans in there. Uh, the wildest part of being in Dallas was was I was trying to get a rental car because uh, I ended up staying an extra day, and um, I ended up uh, trying to get a rental car. Um, after taking the other one back and a bunch of like 49er and cowboy fans flew in and there were no cars. Oh yeah. And I, I think a lot of that happened over the pandemic. They, cause it costs money to keep those cars on lot and so forth. And when they weren't moving like that, you know, they sold a lot of them off. So I think a lot of them are trying to rebuild their stocks and there just weren't any cars available. And so, <laughs> so yeah, I got a chance to go out there and, and watch the debacle. The thing about the the Cowboys is that it, it seems like everybody's like next year, next year. It's very much, very much Husker like in in the way that they see, they view the Cowboys in that they they look at the team and, and they see there's promise. I mean, when you look at it, you have C.D. Lamb and over thir- uh, over a thousand yard receiver. You have you know Zeke Elliott, who's one of the pinnacle running backs out there as well. Um, then you have Dak. Uh, return and did a wonderful job this year. Uh, you also have Amari Cooper there and, and a great group. And then you have the defense that's quite phenomenal as well. You know, Michael Parsons, what he did in his rookie year with over 10 sacks is is phenomenal in itself. And so a lot of stuff. And then also, um, um, oh, gosh, my mind just drew a blank. Um, the cornerback. Oh, Trayvon um, Diggs. Had, Trayvon Diggs, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trayvon Diggs had uh, over 10 interceptions, which was crazy, right? So – they were, you know, they, they played their last uh, game on week 18, looked pretty good going in. And I just think the momentum was in the 49ers' favor. I mean, they what they were able to do in their final uh, week, they came in with just a lot of confidence. They looked more energized and more physical, and I got to watch it. But as we stay right here on, on the block with Stricken Bach, um, we went through some uh, predictions, 
Oh, that's right. We did. And, and I, I, I think we need to rewind the tape because right now, uh, Stricky is undefeated. <laughs> we're going to keep track of that. Of course, you've got another game tonight to pick, so we'll get to that later. Um, but uh, we'll see if you can make it all the way through Wild Card Weekend. Uh, heck of a weekend. I, I did want to ask you what you thought about that decision to go with the quarterback draw. 17 seconds left. Um, no chance, no timeouts. Um, they were hoping that they would be able to clock the ball. Obviously, had a little bit of a bump in with the ref. The ref had to respawn spot the ball you can't just go from wherever the center wants to go right so they had to respot the ball and ran out of time and I know a lot of Dallas fans got upset they threw stuff on the field today are probably still upset um, that there wasn't one second put back on the clock but to me that's that's the risk you take if you're going to call that play and I and I don't think that's a worthwhile risk I think you want to make sure you get a throw to the end zone I know Mike McCarthy was wanting talking about trying to get it down to the 25 or whatever so you don't have to run a Hail Mary you can run different plays to try to get in the end zone from the 25 as opposed to back at the 50 or whatever. But they were doing a good job of getting out of bounds and being aware of of what they needed to do. So maybe another out route for nine yards. It might not have got you 15, but you'd have another play. And I just felt like that was an awful play call that's going to haunt Cowboys fans for years. Well, if you really there, – there's multiple parts to that, right? Um, some of the things that McCarthy had stated that um, they he was comfortable with it, with the draw call – um, so with that in mind, there's some other things not to consider. They say they work on it. He said that they work on it regularly, but then there's, there's the things that you don't really think about, which is the referee's positioning, right? So the umpire who clocks the, the, the snaps in the ball, uh, he must touch it based on the rule. If he doesn't touch it, then you can, there's, there's multiple things that can happen, that can cause a 10 second run out based yeah. on the rules. So you have a penalty and then you also have um, an injury. So having one or two of those things to happen, it literally has to be everything perfect in order for that to, to work if you're going to run that kind of play. So there's two things that, that Dak could have done. One, he could have gotten maybe 10 yards and, and laid down and hopefully got touched. But if I'm, if I'm somebody, you know, you got to slide at that point because that would, that would ultimately start the clock. I mean, start the ability to clock the ball because right. that means you're down. Right. So he should have, he should have fallen early. And, and, and the team, San Francisco is like, keep running. We're, we're, as long as you don't get to the end zone, we're okay with you keep running, but they're not considering the referees in that particular instance. You get that far downfield. I looked at the film, the referees 25 yards back. So you're expecting a 50, a 50 plus year old man referee to, run almost, you know, 30 yards in a sprint <laughs> to try to get a clock of the ball. So a lot of the veteran coaches, they, they say that you want, if you're going to do a, a, any type of run with a clocking of the, of the ball where you're, where you're stopping it, you, you want to have at least 14 to 18 seconds minimum. That's, anything that or below you're you're at risk so uh, the other part is what you just said about running outs that would have been very difficult because based on the film they were playing that they gave everything up in the middle they were deep they were deep in the middle um they were pretty much playing everything on the sideline the cornerbacks were literally standing on the sidelines just come on come here yeah uh, we're either going to pick that because they were or not. The, up, up until that point they were playing deep to allow them to get to the sideline i didn't you know i haven't looked back like you said and yeah i'm glad you did once they that, got to the once, once they, they got at that to the point 50, they were playing the outs yeah they took that away 
So so the draw is not it wasn't that bad, but he should have just he should have fell a little bit earlier because then at that point, then you had the 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 line wouldn't separate. <laughs> so the uh umpire's trying to get in there so he can <laughs> clock. And and they they kind of butt checked him out a little bit. A couple, so that's an extra two seconds. And so it's definitely not the referee's fault. Um San Francisco almost did themselves a disservice. They tried to it's like they tried to give the game away, it looked like yeah. at one point. So yeah, it was it was it was weird. It was a they couldn't really do anything. Really, if it wasn't for the turnovers, they wouldn't have been in the game. Um they looked more physical. They looked more prepared. It looked like they got out coached because they couldn't move the ball. And but um well, you know, they're the, 49ers, the most penalized they were team, very prepared. I think huh? the Cowboys are the most penalized team in the in, in the in the league, and it kind of came back to bite them again. Of course, sadly yeah. for for us Oscar fans, Randy Gregory had the big one that almost cost him the game uh, on a defensive holding play on a third down um, that allowed them to to get a first down, and then you know so that that's why the whole situation kind of played that they didn't have a whole lot of time left. So um, it, it's uh, and and he got like. He he was like blocked, and then another guy came and blocked him, and he, so he got frustrated and kind of took him down with him, and that's where he got the hold. But I guess situationally, you just got to know to take because he was going down. It's just to take your wounds on that play uh, and let yeah. it go because that, uh, situationally, how important that was. But I just hope that doesn't affect how Dallas fans view Randy Gregory because it's been such a great um, story, really, for the Dallas franchise to stick with Randy kind of through the changing uh, of of the guard as far as the the approach to to marijuana and medical marijuana. Uh, in the league and, and across the country, to be honest. Um, and, and so you just kind of hope it because a guy can have such a great career, such a great year, and he has. And I know the fans kind of love him for that. But if you make a mistake that almost costs you the season in the playoffs, that's something that gets remembered forever, regardless of how uh, how good you are during the regular season or throughout your career. So I hope I, I think that I think that his his mistake probably was a little bit overshadowed by the refs and everything that went down at the end of the game. So that's probably pretty good, but it, that was a big one for him. Um, but yeah, uh, no doubt. And yeah. he, he's, he's definitely made a good mark on his return. Uh, he's been a valuable part of what they've been able to do defensively over there. Um, he's, he's played wonderfully. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope that doesn't any, I, I, I don't think to be honest, I don't think they can look at any one play. They can't look at any one situation. That's one of those things where uh, it, it it seems like that one play cost you, but it really it really yeah. wasn't. It wasn't as close as what it it really was, and it's it's sad. It's it seems like they 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 build you up to break your heart, <laughs> and <laughs> it seems like it's every year. And I, I I I do I feel bad for those, but they're 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 very um, they're very supportive. They 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 stick it out no matter what. Yeah, it's funny when you see the outtakes of people watching the game and how they go from sad and pacing and walking and halfway want to throw something at the TV. And then you have the Michael Jordan faces, you know, what I'm saying? it's crazy. The different emotions they go through. Yeah. It's kind of weird though, too, there with Jerry, Jerry Jones, obviously kind of one of the, the most um, overwhelming owners, I suppose uh, just kind of stays in the news. And uh, he, he mentioned it was one of the most difficult losses that they've had. Um, and, and eventually maybe you look at Jerry Jones himself as the kind of the problem that's been sticking around there. Nebraska fans kind of had that at one point in time um, uh, with a, a certain chancellor that was at Nebraska, Harvey Perlman, and they always wanted to say, well, as long as he's there, that's the problem. Harvey hasn't been there for years. Nebraska's never been worse, you know. So sometimes it's 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 not even it's it's just a guy. But I think for Dallas fans, it's kind of getting to that point of like. 
Oh, man, is Dak the guy? I mean, he's great at times, but we went through the whole career of Tony Romo of being great at times and then not winning in the playoffs, and they have so much talent, like you mentioned, just individually, and it just never is adding to playoff wins very often for Dallas, and, man, it's just got to be frustrating for that franchise. On the opposite side of that, uh, I think for a lot of NFL fans, probably kind of fun to watch the, 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 the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Steelers, all very vocal franchises, all very historic franchises that will tell you about how many rings they have in their closet. Nice to, to see them pack away on wild card weekend and not have to deal with yeah. them moving forward for uh, for other fans. Yeah, I mean, Philly looked bad. It didn't look very good for them as well. And and, and the same thing with, um, you know, you hate for Ben to go out that way, but you, 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 you already knew it was pretty much time. I mean, it's time for me. He doesn't, he doesn't have the same zip on the ball that he used to have. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the likes of an Antonio Brown, uh, you know, those real dynamic receivers. They don't have the Le- Le'Veon. I mean, um, you know, they, they've, they've got some good pieces, um, but they, they're, they're still a work in progress. And it's time to rebuild what's going on in Pittsburgh. But they, they just they were on, they were overmatched and, 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 and plus squeaking in. Yeah, and trying to figure out kind of what's been that that consistent stay with Pittsburgh, right? Because over through Ben's career, we all know about kind of the Mike Tomlin stat, how they've never had a losing season; they're always in the playoffs, and it's just incredible. The one thing I'll remember about Ben Roethlisberger more than anything is that every year he would, or if he didn't have the guy, he would bring him up. I mean, there was always an all-pro type of wide receiver or weapon for Ben Roethlisberger. You can go through like a whole top ten of the names that you liked. I mean, he started off with the you know the Heinz Ward, the Antoine Randall the Plaxico Burris, uh, you know, that that eventually kind of moved away to, to Antonio Brown. You know, Heath Miller was there early on. Antonio Brown um, and, uh, and Emmanuel Sanders. And then it just keeps going to Juju Smith-Schuster. And, and there's probably more names I'm forgetting about. They could throw D'Angelo Williams in there whenever Le'Veon Bell was out. And Le'Veon he would Bell, be one yeah. of the best. I mean, they just had so many weapons there with Ben. And so you, you kind of go into that and how, how it, sometimes we just want to give all of the gratitude to one guy. It was Ben. Ben Roethlisberger was the guy that kept him afloat all those years. But really, I just think a combination of Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, and that front office to to always surround Ben with those weapons and usually a pretty stout defense like, we, like we're seeing again with T.J. Watt leading the group. It just – I. I'm not a, a I'm like like a huge Steelers fan. I kind of like them as far as an AFC team, but I'm just I've just been marvelled about how well they've done it with Ben Roethlisberger there. And now that he moves away, you know, can they continue that? Because you still have Mike Tomlin, you still have that front office, which has been able to surround Ben with all those weapons. Um, but maybe Ben was the big piece that that is now missing. So we'll have to see with the Steelers moving forward. A lot of questions uh, to come out of NFL Wild Card Weekend. Uh, I do want to do this talk about next Nebraska's. Addition to the out of the transfer portal, Chuba Purdy. Did you see uh, Chuba Purdy now joining the group for Nebraska? Well, see, I thought that was very interesting, right? Because he did you know, coming out of that, out of the visit, and and you know, allowing that time uh, over this 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 recent time. I think he was there what over the fourteenth yeah. um, that this weekend, right? Yeah. So so for him to come out of that and still say that Nebraska was on you know number one on his list, that was very interesting. But I think. When we, as as we've talked about all the additions, the coaching, the staff, I, I think there's so much still uncertainty, right? There's still positivity, you know. There's some positivity out of it as well. And and Purdy could be looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, even if I don't win, I still have four years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think he's looking at the Whipple situation, even though Whipple may, you know, has a two year contract. 
um, he's still looking at getting that type of pedigree, you know, instilled into him. Um, I think if he sticks it out, I mean, when you're, when you're looking down that quarterback, that quarterback room, you, you know, you see that there was one, there's still some uncertainties as to even if Thompson's the guy, right? I mean, we, we see some, some wonderful things in what he brings to the table, but at the end of the day, we still also are, are uncertain. So a guy like who's a competitor like Chuba Purdy is, is looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, it's an open season as far as getting in there and seeing who's going to be able to earn and win the job. And it's open. It's not solidified in no case. It's not a situation like that. So um, I think, think those two are looking at the challenge. Also, they're looking at it like this is a challenge. If I can come in here and help change this program, that that bodes well. I mean, that looks good on anybody. And I mean, I, I remember that was one of the things we looked about looked at it from a basketball standpoint. We're like, you know, everybody looks at us just as a, you know, at a football school. You know, you can't win at a football school. And we're like, man, yes, we can. You know, so those things in a way kind of raise your level a little bit, right? They just need some locker room leadership. They just really need some people across the board. And I think that's what, if you talk to former Huskers in the past, you would say that there was always a group of those younger ones that were like, I don't care if you're a senior, we're going to compete, but they took the leadership and then they took the reins and then became, became those leaders in that locker room. I think that's what Nebraska's really in need of and they're looking for. I think the staff is going to implement that, being that those those guys have that type of pedigree where they're looking at you know, those, those leadership qualities for them to be brought into those those rooms. Yeah, a lot of discussion about the culture at Nebraska, and of course, a lot of those guys now leaving the room. So, like you said, hopefully, it, it's kind of passed down, and, and the new guys uh, can can jump aboard and, and jump into an, a culture that's already set. Uh, I hope Chris is still there on the Honda Lincoln Hotline four zero two four six four five six eight five. We've been jumping around. Uh, Chris, are you still there? I am here. Are you there? Yeah, we're there. Finally, sorry to make you wait a little bit. What are you thinking on uh, on a Monday afternoon? That's all right. Well, no one's talked about the horrible time management of. Uh, San Francisco at the end of that game. They could have run 25 seconds off that clock and just taken a five-yard penalty, or the punter could have at least snapped with one second left. Time was coming off the clock. And he snaps with like 24 seconds on there. Very good. Yeah, that is a great point. I mean, yeah, Chris, you hit something there. Go ahead. Mm -hmm, Finish your point. Run it down. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, altogether, it just wasn't – and the 49ers are another team that I love – the franchise, right? I, I don't know if they have their quarterback. They got kind of two maybes there and Trey Lance and Jimmy G. Um, but as a franchise, they've been run very well over the last several years as, as long as, you know, j- kind of John Lynch has been there. And so, you know, I've, I've been impressed with um, with their head coach and, and kind of what they've done. But um, it, it wasn't the – it was such an entertaining game and so fun at the end. But it wasn't the most managed game uh, toward the end, a little bit mismanaged. And, and, you know, even Jimmy G, like I said, not waiting for Trent Williams to set – for an all-important fourth and inch. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. that would have been the ball game there. Um, so um, not not the – I mean, it, it, it happens. It's a pressure moment. Um, guys kind of make mistakes. It's always kind of hard to think about that, especially 
when you're not on the sideline, right? When we can sit back from our couch and not really have any skin in the game other ways other than being a fan is is kind of dissecting, well, here's some time there. And, um, you know, I don't understand how they didn't have a, a clock management guy on the sideline. But when the bullets are flying, sometimes they, they just don't they don't see it all and they, and they miss a thing here and there. And that can that can cost you a game. And it certainly came down to a game of inches, like they say, a game of an inch there in the 49ers-Cowboys case. But just an, an incredible game, an incredible weekend. And there's one more game tonight, so we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. We'll save some of the NFL talk. We'll save some of the Husker football talk for the 5 o'clock hour. Of course, Nebraska basketball set to tip around then. So I wanted to kind of get you a pregame uh, segment going into that. We've got that, and then shootout was strict to round out the hour. But coming up next, uh, we will talk about Husker basketball as they take on Indiana this evening. Huskers played close with the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Can they get off the schneid tonight? and get a victory at PBA. Uh, We'll have to see. We'll talk about it next here on On the Block with Strickenbach on 93.7 The Ticket.